Hello, this is Mark Leach. Welcome to the third episode of the Down Syndrome Prenatal Testing Podcast. This episode will cover an organization that is very important and I think encouraging if you are a new or expectant parent. It is called Down Syndrome Affiliates in Action. I want to talk about uh, my role in it, the history of the organization, and where it has taken off since I rolled off the board six years ago now, I believe. So let's start from the beginning. In 2007, uh, my daughter was just four years old. We had graduated out of early intervention therapies. She was going to preschool. I was still working at a large firm in Louisville, Kentucky. But I was starting to um, write and reach out to individuals on the national scene curious about the roles that our national Down syndrome organizations were playing on the issues of the day that I felt needed to be addressed. And through a very um, serendipitous but circuitous uh, connection, I was listening to a radio talk show, uh, the Hugh Hewitt show that I often would listen to as I would be driving home at that time. It was broadcast in the evening rush hour. And he had mentioned something about Down syndrome. I had written into him, mentioned who I was, both career-wise and my personal story. And he mentioned that at that time he was associated with a law firm who had a partner that also was a lawyer and father to a child with Down syndrome and um, his colleague's case, a son. And so he put us in touch. And then I can still remember having a phone call um, while I was in the high-rise building in uh, Louisville with this attorney, Bill Halley, who was in California at the time. Bill served as a board member for the National Down Syndrome Society. Uh, his son, Nick, uh, was a couple of years older than my daughter, Juliet. And so we had those two things in common. We were lawyers and we were... Uh, parents of children with Down syndrome, I guess the third thing that we had in common is is that while we were advocates in our professional capacity, that spilled over to our advocacy on behalf of our children. And so we got to talking and talking about the issues that were concerning me, about the expansion that had been instituted with the new guidelines under ACOG at that time, which was in 2007 when they changed the guidelines to um, make make it recommended that all women, all pregnant women should be offered prenatal genetic testing, including diagnostic testing from the beginning. So we had a couple of conversations and then, I believe it was in January, uh, Bill called me and said, hey, there's this uh, gathering that's happening in Kansas City of advocates from around the nation and I think you should be there. Now, at that time, I, I was already a member of my local organization's board of directors, but just a, board, just a director. I wasn't even an officer. But I think it was just because of the relationship that I had established uh, with Bill and our conversations that he thought this would be a meeting that I would want to be at. The meeting turned out to be an or, a gathering of advocates, as Bill said, from around the nation that were all associated with their local Down syndrome organization, some of them staff, most of them board members, all of them, uh, if they weren't staff, volunteers. 
that were called together at the uh, impetus of the executive director at that time for the Down Syndrome Guild of Kansas City, Amy Allison, and its board president at that time, Bridget Murphy, both of whom I would learn immediately at that conference and then in years following were forces of nature on behalf of those with Down Syndrome, forces for good. And so um, I spoke with our executive director, Diana Merzweiler at Down Center of Louisville. The two of us um, in, you know, talked to the board, got the funds committed to afford us going on a plane trip to Kansas City. We arrived in February. If you have not been to Kansas City, while it is a, one of the crossroads of America, it is a beautiful town, has a lot of history, is known as the City of Fountains because of all the fountains that are there. Uh, it also has uh, one of those unique positions in American geography, much like Dallas, where you get all of the bad weather. You get freezing blizzards, you get tornadoes, uh, they're in the earthquake zone of the New Meridian Fault Line, I believe. Uh, it gets sweltering heat in the summer, the same as Dallas does. And uh, in February, when we visited, uh, it was freezing with a wind chill that would just cut you like a knife as we walked uh, from the hotel to some of the um, dining recommendation establishments. But aside from that, it was an incredibly momentous meeting because if my count and memory are correct, there were 63 of us that joined there. Um, some of the folks that I remember being there were um, Kathleen and David Forney from Minneapolis, Joe Mears from Indianapolis. There was a voice at the front that spoke with a very thick southern drawl, and that's coming from somebody who's been born and raised in Kentucky to say that. And when called upon, uh, the name used was Jawanda, and not to prejudge anybody, but it was surprising when Jawanda was a... Um, Caucasian lady who happened to be from Arkansas but was the executive director at that time of Memphis. Um, those of you who have followed me on Facebook know that Jawanda and her daughter Rachel are not only friends of mine and my daughter Juliet's but inspirations to us and sort of role models as um, now, my goodness, 12 years later at the time of this recording, uh, Rachel has enrolled in um, I want to say Missouri State Bears is where she's attending uh, college at. There are many others that were uh, in attendance, friends that I've made from Nebraska, um, Amy Van Bergen uh, from, at that time she was the executive director of the Down Syndrome Association of Orange County in Orlando, Florida. And I don't want to be remiss by listing everybody and then leaving someone off, so I will stop there, but these were folks that obviously were interested in the state of advocacy as well as the state of local support organizations nationally who felt that there was a need that was not yet being addressed, which is to focus on local Down syndrome organizations and the, the supports that they needed, the issues that they experienced, the needs that they have. And so uh, in 2007, we all fit into you know, one subsection of a larger ballroom that could be subdivided by the expanding panel walls that all of us that have ever attended any conference is familiar with where you uh, can close them down so that you have multiple breakout rooms or open them up so you have one big plenary. Well, at that time, we all fit into the size of what now is where AIA, as I will refer to it, Affiliates in Action, um, 
holds its breakouts. Um, the agenda was very um, set, but at the same time somewhat informal because there were only so many of us that it could be informal and we could have uh, close conversations. But there was sort of a round robin where each table had a, a placard on it for what topic would be discussed at that table. You know, the big issues are fundraising, subset of that would be your annual walk, new parent outreach, board member recruitment and retention, uh, strategic planning for local organizations, things of that nature, hiring staff. And so um, there would be a general discussion session where everybody would come together and talk about a particular issue. I remember that is where I learned from Bridget Murphy, the I uh, hope I don't butcher this uh, acronym, but I think it's a BHAG, meaning a big, hairy, audacious goal. And it was quite eye-opening, given that I had only been on our board at that time for a couple of years. You know, I'd only been in the community for uh, the four years of my daughter's life. And I only knew at that time how Louisville did anything. I didn't know how any other organization did it. And it was very similar to what I expect um, new and expectant parents have as a sensation when you first show up to your first new and or expectant parent support group. Up until that point, you only know your own experience and what you are going through. And then, as you attend these um, group sessions, you learn that many other people are dealing with some of the same issues, if not the exact same issue, a similar issue, and even if it's not the exact same issue, a lesson or a solution to one issue that could be applied to the one that you're dealing with. And you find out that you're not alone and that there are individuals that are walking the same path, dealing with the same challenges or similar challenges, and you can help one another from the wisdom that each one of you has gained from your own experiences and the experiences of others that you've learned about. And indeed, that is what AIA uh, was at the time in 2007 and remains. I mentioned about how I had only been in the community um, since my daughter's birth, but there was a very... Um, impactful conversation that I had at, at AIA as in most com, uh, conferences I expect those of you who are regularly attend such things know that the real value doesn't always happen in the plenaries or in the breakouts but it happens in the breaks in the lunch uh, time sessions or the uh, morning breakfast session where you're sitting down and just talking to your fellow attendee and a lot of times it happens at the bar at the end of the night and I remember sitting down at the end of the bar at the Crown Center Plaza for the Marriott in Kansas City where the conference was being held and I was speaking with the then executive director of Cincinnati Janet Gora and I shared my story about my daughter being born, being on the board, how I came to be there. And then presumptively asked her about her child with Down syndrome. And Janet, in a very um, appropriate way, uh, was taken aback and said, why do I have to have a loved one with Down syndrome to care about improving the lives of those with Down syndrome? And she was exactly right, but it was eye-opening to me because, you know, our executive director at Louisville at the time has a grandson with Down syndrome. Most of the board members had a family member with Down syndrome, usually a child. And so it was one of those 
things where I learned, much like Amy Allison, the executive director of Kansas City, you don't have to have a loved one with Down syndrome to care about a life with Down syndrome or what the future will hold for those with Down syndrome. You just have to care about people with Down syndrome. And really, when you think about it, all you have to do is care about people. And certainly Janet and Amy and everyone that was at the conference uh, did that, and that's why we were there. And so that was the very first AIA meeting in Kansas City in 2007. Some of us, it seemed to be, as is usually the case, those that were most vocal in the meeting, myself included, then became recruited into the ad hoc planning committee for the next year's conference, which was held in Scottsdale, Arizona in 2008. It was impressive and amazing that from just a group in 2007 of 63 advocates in 2008, there were, I believe, 180 attendees. We had tripled the number of attendees. No longer were we all confined into one breakout room. We indeed needed to take down the sliding walls so that we had a full ballroom for a full plenary. And at that plenary, um, we had a plenary on research where uh, the too soon departed Michael Harpold presented on uh, the promises and gains that are being made in research through at that time the Down Syndrome Research and Treatment Foundation which has now become the Lou Mind Foundation. Um, I was somehow uh, recruited into being the moderator of a session on how we could try to get all of the various organizations at the national level to um, in, from an example of the book, Good to Great, uh, get the right people on the bus and get them in the right seat. But more uh, aptly, the anecdote was we're all in the same boat and we're all wanting to head in the same direction, just whose oar is going to who's gonna take which oar, such as the National Down Syndrome Congress. They do a fantastic annual conference for families. They should you know, do that to the umpteenth degree. At that time, NDSS had a very vibrant and effective uh, policy center. So focus on that. Down Syndrome Research and Treatment Foundation obviously focus on research and uh, Down Syndrome Affiliates in Action, as we were becoming to be known, would focus on supporting the local organization so that um, those folks at the grassroots level could have the support that they needed. Well, um, it is funny to look back with the hindsight of over a decade and still see that some of those challenges still remain. Uh, some of those players have changed in their roles, as will happen with time. But nevertheless, it was an important conference yet again. And then in 2009, we topped ourselves yet again by planning a conference in conjunction with uh, the National Down Syndrome Society's uh, walk on Washington for advocacy for grassroots advocates to take the hill and focus on their legislative priorities. And so I want to say that we were close to 300 attendees at that time. I may be overstating that, but I don't think so. Uh, we had a day of uh, training on um, meeting with your elected officials or their staff, the priorities of the NDSS, that we wanted to highlight. At that time, it was the ABLE Act, which actually ended up becoming passed into law through the years and steady, tenacious persistency of advocates to get it passed and through the leadership of certain elected officials, thankfully, and the leadership of parents such as the dearly departed Steve Beck out of the Down Syndrome Association of Northern Virginia. Um, again, at that conference, I led a plenary on you know, the state of prenatal testing and what 
the future holds if we don't engage in effective medical outreach so that parents are given the accurate information, physicians are given the accurate information, both about Down syndrome, but also so that they understand that a screen positive is never a true positive. Uh, it was at that meeting that Michelle Witten of the Global Down Syndrome uh, Foundation uh, made the right and appropriate question of, you know, she said, Mark, you sound like uh, Martin Luther King, but when is our movement going to get its version of Malcolm X? Because sometimes only that sort of confrontational approach results in change that is needed. And I don't think that we've gotten there yet either. Uh, at times I've tried to do both, and I'm sure that others have done as well. Um, but anyhow, that was, in, that was the D.C. meeting. From there, I'm not going to tick down each year, although I could pull out my name placards as those that have seen me in previous conferences know that I would bring them to show the history of it. But we've been to Dallas. We've been back to Kansas City. We've been to Cincinnati, I believe, twice. Um, the 10-year was held in Charlotte. That was the only year that I, met, I missed. And coming up this year in uh, 2019, we will be meeting in St. Louis, a very geographically centrally located location for uh, many uh, Down syndrome organizations. So I teased this at the beginning or led into it with talking about how I think that new and expected parents could draw comfort and encouragement from the fact that there is the existence of this organization called Down Syndrome Affiliates in Action. I've kind of skipped over the fact that in uh, 2010, when we reconvened in Kansas City, we had formalized into a 501c3. We had formalized the name Down Syndrome Affiliates in Action. We had hired an executive director. And um, fortunately, we have hired an executive director who remains with the organization, Dina Tharp, who has done amazing work and kept it viable, sustainable, improving the conference with uh, the plenary speakers that are held, uh, formalizing the conference planning system, and being a great resource for advocates around the country. So what is this organization and what does it do? As we tried to make clear at the 2008 meeting when there was a concern that AIA was trying to be a quote-unquote third national, the point of AIA was not to play on the national stage, but instead to strengthen and nurture the, the local support organizations to serve as the grassroots sources for uh, national efforts. And indeed, that worked in the instance of the Kennedy-Brownback Act that was passed in 2008 through the connections that were already established through the first AIA. We were able to contact key advocates that uh, represent that were in uh, states and locales of key members of Congress. The one that comes to mind is to me is Doris Earhart in Oklahoma City, uh, when the senator at that time, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but he was a physician. Um, there might have been a hiccup as far as whether he was uh, blocked or supported. It ended up not being an issue, but thankfully we had the contact to go to through the connection and network that was established. So appreciate that beginning in 2007, I didn't know hardly anybody outside of Louisville, Kentucky. And by 2008, I knew to contact um, the board member in Oklahoma City and the staff member, Doris Earhart, because I knew of her connections with Dr. Uh, again, I'm just blanking on his name. His first name is Tom, I believe. Anyways. Um, so that is the mission of Downstream Affiliates in Action, is to nurture and support the local support organizations so that 
each of us, meaning each of the local sport organizations, can learn from one another, maybe uh, cut the learning curve on if you're starting a new program that somebody else has already done, then you can um, ramp up that program quicker. You know, for a lot, uh, well, for every organization, um, as Mother Teresa said, I believe, you have to do well before you can do good. Um, So in order to raise the funds needed for the staff to do well uh, so that you can do good, you need to do fundraising. And for most organizations, that starts with an annual walk. Kansas City and Cincinnati both are leaders in this area, as are several others. But, I mean, uh, Cincinnati for years on end has had the largest walk of any any Down syndrome organization, numbering over 10,000, probably even higher than that in the most recent years. And between Kansas City and Cincinnati, they've gone neck and neck with the most money raised, meaning that they raise close to half a million dollars or $400,000 every year. That is real money to hire the real staff that is kind of the linchpin of the roadmap for a successful local organization. Now, at the same time, you know, Cincinnati is three times the population of my town, Louisville. Um, Kansas City is probably even greater than that. And there are affiliates from uh, much smaller uh, areas or areas that represent a much greater geographic area, though that is sparsely populated. Uh, Dina Tharp, the executive director, came from that that type of organization at the Red River Down Syndrome Organization in Texas and then based her operations for a time out of North Dakota because that is where work uh, took her family. So it's not an organization. At the same time, what's odd is you learn that the larger municipalities, it's difficult to have uh, one successful dominant organization because of geography such as in phoenix where there are two organizations and that's just because whereas it takes 20 minutes to get anywhere in louisville and therefore wherever we put our headquarters for down center louisville it was accessible to all of our members for the most part that's not the case in phoenix where it takes almost an hour to get anywhere depending on where you are going and so geography makes it feasible or uh, viable for two organizations to exist, which doesn't mean that they can't coexist, but it does make a challenge, obviously, when it comes to fundraising and going to granting sources for the same metro area. But AIA exists there to assist that. AIA holds webinars regularly. They have regular uh, meet and greets um, via technology so that new members, existing members, members that are focused on one issue, uh, such as school inclusion or supporting a new parent, can come together. Um, My colleague Stephanie Meredith and I, along with Sarah Cullen out of the Massachusetts Down Syndrome Congress, as well as occasionally Dr. Scotco, we've all done um, webinars on behalf of AIA to benefit its members on effective medical outreach and new new and expectant parent support. Almost annually, we're always at the conference exhibiting at least, and usually speaking, and coming up in St. Louis, Stephanie and I are on a panel with Sarah on effective medical outreach, and then Stephanie and I are doing a session as a motivational session because of what is going on in the prenatal testing area and what the laboratories for those tests are doing, um, why that should motivate local support organizations to get really focused and committed on engaging in effective medical outreach. So to wrap up, from on the point of why this should be encouraging for new and expectant parents is, you know, when Juliet, my daughter, was born, first of all, I didn't even know that Louisville had a local support organization for Down syndrome. Then I got to know it, uh, 
had a great walk team, was invited to join the board, ultimately became its president, was part of a capital campaign effort to build a facility where we do where my daughter uh, just this past weekend spent a lock-in at on Friday. And uh, other of our members attend regularly for our adult day program, our tutoring program, our teen program, our school age program in the summer. That's what happens here locally. But every um, location with an affiliate has their own programming, has their own um, events to support you. And there is this parent organ, or there is this umbrella organization called Down Syndrome Affiliates in Action that I'm proud to say I was a founding board member and served many years uh, working. And now I'm proud to see it so sustainable that I haven't been on the board for six years and yet it still just keeps going great, that exists to support your local organization. And if you don't have a local organization, DSAIA exists to help you start one. And they have a library of information, of forms, of documents, so that you don't have to recreate the wheel, so that you don't have to go through the, the uh, hard learning experience that other organizations have gone through on the same issue. You can skip those steps by learning from others that have already trod that path before you. And so if you are listening to this and you are a new or an expectant parent, you can reach out to Downstream Affiliates in Action to find your local organization. If you do not have a local organization, Downstream Affiliates in Action can assist you if you are motivated to start one or if you are not motivated to start one. It can help you link up to the one that is nearest to you so that you and your family can find out what I think is constantly an eye-opening experience for all of us that are in this community uh, with loved ones with Down syndrome of the seemingly um, never-ending and incredible deep and wide bench of support, starting with early intervention therapists, starting with caring obstetrician and pediatric pediatrician, starting with amazing pediatric cardiologist should your child need those need, have those needs for their services and then branching out from there to parent support emotional support sibling support educational support if it doesn't exist in your local organization AIA has a toolkit that can likely allow you to start it at your local organization if it already exists at your local organization AIA has another organization that you all can share stories about what you could do that works and what might be better and so coming up at the end of February, I believe it's February 8th, 28th through March 3rd this year in 2019, but usually it's around that same time every year because it um, avoids any conflict with spring breaks and it's um, pretty early into the school semester for a lot of families before anything has really gotten going to tie themselves up. I hope that you, if you are with a local organization or interested in starting one, will go to dsaia.org or you can find all the contact information for the executive director and staff. Um, if you are reticent to do that, you can always reach out to me via Twitter or via my blog in a comment that doesn't have to be posted. I can moderate it. Just mention that in the comment, and then I can reply to you with the information that you need. But I hope that you will consider attending, if not this year, next year, and if not next year, the year after that, and then for the years following. Uh, this year will be, I believe, my 12th year attending well it'll be my 11th year attending out of 12 years of the organization's existence everybody that goes to AIA comes out with the same thing they say it over and over again that they feel energized they had no idea there was so much support they had no idea there were so many examples of programs that they want to start the only challenge that they have is 
they want to they'd like to try everything and my um, advice always is well try one thing and then the next year maybe try another thing but the main thing is is that it invigorates us it it makes you enthusiastic about the future because you see so many of your fellow advocates around this great nation that are working every day to try to make this a better world for individuals with Down syndrome. I hope you will join us.